0: Well, my name is Tim, and uh, I'm glad to be back with you today, and uh, we are going to be uh, continuing our series on Recharge, or the series title Recharge, Recharging Our Lives in God. Um, it is an, an essential uh, series for our church, for our lives, for your life, how to live connected to God, how to live charged up, how to live a life of power in God. And today we're going to talk about something that we don't talk a lot about in the New Covenant of Grace. Today, the title is Sabbath Rest. And the title is a very simple title because I want to make sure that you leave here knowing what we talked about. What was church about today when you meet somebody outside these, outside these walls? Church was about Sabbath Rest. Somebody say Sabbath rest. Sabbath rest. And we need to talk about this because some of you need to understand the principle and start the practice of personal Sabbath rest. Rest in God. I believe nothing will recharge your life more, physically, spiritually, and mentally, than taking and enjoying Sabbath. All right, we don't talk about this as Christians because we're like we're like we're New Covenant. That's Old Covenant. That's that's Israel's job. No, no, no. We are New Israel. We are spiritual Israel. We are the people of God, and we need to obey in this department for our good. Because everything that God says, He says for our good. Okay, so today, Sabbath rest. I heard a story about two men. They were woodchoppers, and they like to chop wood. And, and uh, I resonate with this story because I like to chop wood. I like to chop wood. There, there, there's nothing as exhilarating as, as swinging an awl through a hunk of wood and just seeing it split and shoot off in all kinds of directions and, and just see the power of that moment. And, and you wonder where I get these triceps. It's... It's from doing that regularly. I'm talking to some city people who have no clue what I'm talking about right now. I can just see you like, huh? Huh? Chop wood? What's wood? Huh? (laughs) And so I was raised in a farm or on a farm in a rural area. My father was a wood chopper on the side. He burned wood in our house uh, for heating, and I do that with a a fireplace insert in our house, and I love the feeling of chopping wood. Anyway, there was a guy... (laughs) There's a guy who challenged another guy to a chopping wood contest. Who could chop the most wood in one day? So the guy took the challenge and he went busily chopping wood all day with one small break for lunch. And he got done at the end of the day and he looked at his pile of wood. He was so excited about how much wood he chopped. But then he looked over at the guy who challenged him and he saw that this guy who had taken breaks all during the day, all during the day took breaks, had chopped almost twice as much wood. And he was so mad about it. He said, I worked so hard and tirelessly. I only took one break. You took breaks almost every hour. And how is it that after all your break time, you were able to chop almost twice as much wood as I was? And he said, you didn't pay attention closely to what I was doing during my break. During my break, I wasn't just resting. I was sharpening my axe. And I wonder here today who needs to have break time to sharpen their axe because because you're so dulled out in your spirit because you feel worn out by life and stressed out or burnt out. You know, today we live in a country that kind of exalts busyness as some form of superhumanity. You ever have a conversation with someone and you ask them, how's it going? And their response is, I'm busy. And immediately you feel like self-conscious Like, suddenly you just feel like, I guess I'm not that important. Look at how busy they are. Maybe I should be more busy. What do I need to do to be more busy like them? Because they're obviously important because of how busy they are. You talk to somebody, how's business? Crazy. It's so crazy I could barely keep up with it. It's amazing. Oh, I barely have time to talk to you. Well, thank you, Captain Important. (laughs) And sometimes we take busyness and we make it some kind of, like, self um, self-identifying resource look at how important I am because I'm so busy and this is America I was reading up on this like America's a very busy nation we we are one of the few industrialized nations that have no laws on the book about scheduled days off outside of federal holidays and some people most people work those too and we don't even have any skid, like, laws about vacation time. The European Union mandates 20 vacation days a year, paid. Amen. Amen. Uh, uh, the Netherlands, they mandate 26 vacation days a year. How many feel like moving to the Netherlands all of a sudden? <laughs> and I'm not telling you that we should write laws into the books about this, because I, I, I like less government, not more government. But I do think that when God says it, we got to pay attention. And God gave his people a day of rest. It's called the Sabbath. That showed up in their schedule every seventh day. Every seventh day God said, rest. Because you don't need to prove yourself by your busyness that you're important. You don't need to let your life be the measurement of how much stuff you can do. There's something that God wants to teach all of us today. There's something that God wants to instill in all of your schedules if you haven't got one already, and I believe it. I want you to receive it, and I want you to be prepared that from this moment together that you don't just walk out here and say, nice church service. You walk out here and say, it's time for us to seriously sit down and tell work to stop every week, one day. I'm I'm serious about this. I believe it's going to help you and heal you, and I believe it's going to really reveal some things in your life that are going to be ultimately beneficial for you in the future. Uh, Tim Kreider wrote a book, uh, wrote, a, wrote an article, I'm sorry, in the New York Times. It was called The Busy Trap. The Busy Trap. Americans so busy. And he goes on and on about this in this article, a fantastic article. But I love what he said, actually, because he said something that it, it kind of pricks the nerve of our spirits, because he says this, busyness serves as a kind of existential reassurance, a hedge against emptiness. Obviously, your life cannot possibly be silly or trivial or meaningless if you are so busy, completely booked, in demand every hour of the day. What's he saying? He's saying sometimes we use busy to kind of hedge us in from feeling like we're not worthy. Like we're significant now. Why? Because I'm so busy, so crazy. And I get it. We are busy. But we have to learn to tell busyness to cease. Exodus chapter 20, if you got your Bibles, God speaks to the people of Israel about this very important principle. And it's such an important principle, I want you to realize something. It's in God's top 10. (laughs) Like there's 613 laws in the Bible. No kidding. 613 laws in the Old Testament. Now, most of us don't know what those 600 laws are. We only pay attention to 10, because 613 is too many to memorize. How many know what I'm talking about? And one of the laws, number four, is the Sabbath day. Would you stand with me as we read from Exodus chapter 20, verse 8? Listen to God's word. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Please look at those lines. A Sabbath to the Lord your God. Not just a day off. To the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, or your male servant, or your female servant, your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed. Can somebody say blessed? The Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, speak to us, I ask, in your grace. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. Father, I pray that when we walk out the doors today, we take seriously what you have said to Your people Israel in the Old Testament, and to us as your new covenant people of grace in Christ Jesus. I know in my heart, Lord, there are many people listening right now. They don't practice this, and they need to. Open their eyes, open their ears, open their hearts to hear what you would say to them. And help us, as we always say this, Lord God, help us to see Jesus. In His name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you. Have a seat. God bless you. God bless you. Busyness. Busy, 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 busy. That says, take a break. Say no to work. One out of every seven days. Now, you don't think that the new covenant of grace gives you permission to murder people, right? Like, anybody think that that's what grace means? Now I get to murder people. Huh? Let me start with my boss. Nobody thinks that the new covenant of grace gives you permission to steal or lie. Nobody believes that or commit adultery. But why do we think that the new covenant of grace gives us permission to ignore the Sabbath? Because that, again, it's it's in the top 10. Now, I will say this, that we do have New Testament scripture that gives us permission, I believe, to not make it a legalistic day for everybody. I believe that's in the New Testament. You can read that in in, in two passages of Scripture, particularly uh, Colossians chapter 2 and Romans 15. That under the grace, we don't make laws now legislating for everybody that this particular day for the church has to be the day of rest. That's That's how I read those passages. But it doesn't eliminate the idea that we should do work six days and rest one day. For our health, for our good, for our enjoyment and fulfillment and to remind ourselves who our God is. And if you do this as a practice in your spiritual life and in your physical life and in your professional life, I believe you're going to hear God say some things into your spirit that are going to empower your work. Okay, so i got three things that God says through the Sabbath. He's speaking to us, even still today, as new covenant people of grace. Okay, so if you're, writing notes, uh, if you're taking notes, write this down. Okay, here's number one. In the Sabbath, God says, I am the God who empowers you. I am the God who empowers you. That that Israel had just come out of the land of Egypt, 400 years of slave labor. Work was their identity. Who are you? Slaves. What do you do? I slave away. For who? For my slave master. Everything about their identity was tied to what they were compelled to do. You know, it's not much different still to this day. People are slaves to something. Slaves to people's opinions. Slaves to performance. Slaves to earning more money so that I feel more significant. Slave to my social media posts slave to my followers, slave to my parents or my children or my wife or my significant other. And you work, work, work to make sure they are pleased with you. And what God does is he comes into that, into that, um, that experience of slavery for his people and he delivers them out. Of slavery breaks the chains of slavery from off their neck and leads them into the wilderness and gives them ten laws for their good and gives them a law about taking one day where they don't have to work anymore to teach them a lesson to teach them a good one a good lesson I'm the God who empowers you I'm not the God who enslaves you I'm not like Pharaoh I'm not like Egypt. And listen to me, some of you New Covenant people. Listen, God is not like Satan. He is not a slave master. He doesn't say things to tear you down. He says things to build you up. He doesn't criticize. He encourages. He doesn't tear down. He wants to empower your life. Now, the Bible says in verse 11 of Exodus chapter 20, after God says, don't do any work on that day, look what it says in verse 11. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Two things, that God, two things that God does with the Sabbath day, he blesses it. The word bless in Hebrew is barach. It means to endure with power, prosperity, longevity, and endurance. Power, prosperity, longevity, endurance. Say it with me. Power, Prosperity, longevity, endure. You didn't get it, so say it again. Power, prosperity, longevity, endure. There's a day of the week that God has filled with those things. It's the Sabbath. And if you ignore it, you ignore the blessing. God wants to recharge you. How? Through a very practical reality. Rest rest recharges you this is the physical why of the sabbath okay i'm going to give you physical spiritual and ultimate why of the sabbath so write this down in your notes the physical why of the sabbath is physical recharge it is a very simple thing that we have a very hard time doing i was uh reading up on this a lot this week some some more information about how rest And idleness is actually one of the most healthy things you can give your body. Like we pump our bodies full of vitamins and we pump our bodies full of water and food. But how about pumping your body full of rest? Here's what Tim Kreider says in that article, a little bit more about this from the New York Times. He says, "Idleness is not just a vacation, an indulgence or a vice. It is, an in, is, is, it is as indispensable to the brain as vitamin D is to the body. Without rest, our body is depri- our brains are deprived of the rest we need, and we suffer mental affliction." Amen. Some people call that stress. You're stressed because you don't know how to rest. You're stressed because you think that the world revolves around you getting things done. And we do this from birth, don't we? We we, we train people from birth in um, in America that achievement equals approval. From birth. Raised three children. I saw myself do this. Like as soon as they start doing the right thing, we praise them. Oh my gosh, he's standing, yeah! He's saying a word, whoa! He didn't pee his pants, yay! Good boy, you didn't pee! Like, really? He just held onto his bladder, that's all he did. That goes into school, with little A, B, and C. Yay, you got an A, yay, you! into high school, oh, look at you, you're not just getting A's, you're doing all these extracurricular activities, yay! You, colleges are gonna accept you now. Colleges are gonna accept you. I read an article in the Boston Globe. It takes, for Ivy League education uh, acceptance requirements, it takes 12 extracurricular activities. This is why us parents are Uber drivers for our teens. What are we doing? We're falling prey into the American ideal of busyness. Keep them busy so that they can get accepted, so that they can get the lifestyle that will give them validation as a human being. And we have fallen into this trap thinking that if we just do enough, we will finally feel like we are enough. God says, enough. Enough of all that. I want to empower you. I want to give you strength and longevity and I want to give you prosperity and, and, and power and I don't want the world sucking the life out of you. I want you to stop. I want you to tell the world, stop for one 24-hour period so that you and I can be together and I can recharge your life as you do nothing in my presence. It sounds like almost like a foreign language to Americans. Listen, I'm not against work and I'm not preaching don't work some of you need a job you got too much time on your hands you're, you're busy with everybody else's life you're uh, checking everybody else out on Facebook you're just watching, 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 watching I'm talking to you soccer moms watching, watching, watching <laughs> you maybe you need a job and six days of the week you shall work God says, work is good but isn't it amazing how we take something that's good and we, t- and we make it God And we look for the things that God can give us from work God says, no, I'm God. I am the one who empowers you, not your work. I am the one who gives you rest. I I read this up on the scientificamerican.com. I love this. The the article was, why your brain needs more downtime. It says this, uh, downtime replenishes the brain's stores of attention and motivation. It encourages productivity and creativity, and it is essential to achieve our highest levels of performance, Others, other studies have demonstrated that the mind, check this out, the mind obliquely solves tough problems while daydreaming, Amen. an experience many people have had while taking a shower. Anybody, anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, you're just like, I know what I'm going to do! <laughs> Some of my best messages come in the shower. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. All right, here right. This is it. Uh, epiphanies seem to come out of nowhere, but they are often the product of unconscious mental activity during downtime. In other words, when you're not stressing yourself out to think of a solution, suddenly the brain will naturally formulate the solution. The article goes on to say that vacations are good, but research and scientific discovery have identified the fact that two weeks back into work completely wipes out all the benefits of whatever vacation you took. Long-term studies in scientific processes have found out that the best option is not more vacation time. The best option is to take one day off a week where you completely wipe out of your schedule all work-related tasks. And when I read that, I laughed because I said, you know what that is? That's the, that's the, that's the long, roundabout way of science saying God was right, right? <laughs> he said this 3,500 years ago. And we, like humans, have to say, surely he's not right. Oh, man, I'm stressed out. What the heck's wrong with me? Oh, my gosh, God was right. I should rest one day a week. We recharge when we rest. Here's what it says in, um, in Exodus chapter 31, verse 17. It's a sign forever... Between me and the people of Israel, that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was, say the last word, refreshed. God was refreshed. Did God get worn out? No, no. God does not tire or grow weary. He's God. He's everlasting. But here's what it is saying. God is speaking to us in human terms so that we can realize the importance of taking time off from work. We need it. It's essential to our DNA. And the word refreshed here in the Hebrew is the word that is also translated to take a breath. We even say things like, I need to take a breather. What do we say? I need refreshment. I, uh, my, 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 youngest son is now in, um, Little League, and so yesterday I took him to his Little League opening day parade, and we had to run, like, we were late, so we had to run up to the entrance of the parade, we had to walk about a mile down the road, and I always forget that my little six-year-old, um, his stride is half the length of my stride, how many know what I'm talking about, so I'm just, I'm holding on to his hands, I'm like, come on, come on, let's go, let's go, let's go, come on, come on. you know, I'm not a very compassionate father, okay, and I'm just like, come on, Jake, come on, come on, come on, and, and I, it was so cute, because he's like, I'm coming, I'm coming he's like I'm coming I'm coming, I'm coming. And, and he said dad and one time he said dad I need a breath and you know what I do when I hear that I bend down and I pick him up and I carry him on my strides and I want you to see that as a picture for your life the Sabbath is your chance to say to your father I need a breath and he says I know and he picks you up and he walks you forward Your your movement forward is not stopping when you say no to work. No, your movement forward is going to be there because God is going to carry you and put put energy and breath back into you. And man came alive when God breathed into him the breath of life. And so, too, your week comes alive when you stop work and say yes to the breath that God wants to give you. Some of you are going to have a hard time with this message. I know it because you're doers and you're busy people and you love being busy because it makes you feel important. But you're not God. And you're not the master of the universe and you're not the creator of your own identity. You're not. Eugene Peterson, the one who, the pastor who translated the Bible into the message version, he said it so eloquently. He said this, If you don't take a Sabbath, something's wrong. You're doing too much. You're being too much in charge. You've got to quit one day a week and just watch what God is doing when you're not doing anything. Do you have a day where you just watch God? Do you have a day where you just get reminded that you're not Him? Do you have a day that that just kind of reminds you that that life will continue whether or not you involve yourself or not? Like some of you, you just take it as way too important and you really need to start going to more funerals. I'm telling you, a funeral is one of the best things that you can do for your spirit. Because what happens at a funeral? Everybody shows up and weeps and cries, and they get up and they talk. Oh, I remember when he did this, and this, or she did that, or she was so funny, or he was so this, or he was so that. And then they go to the graveside and they say, "Okay, goodbye, goodbye, goodbye." And they all go back to the Fellowship Hall and they eat potato salad and they start laughing. And talking and enjoying and thinking about what's coming up next, and you are gone. Like some of you, I wanna watch my funeral. No, you don't! You're gonna see how quickly people will move on without you. That's life, friend, that's life. It's a reminder, it's a subtle and good spiritual reminder that you do not have to take life by the horns all the time. Wear yourself out trying to seem more important than you really are. You're a creation. You're not the creator. Live like one. Four practical things to do on the Sabbath in your notes. Four practical things to do on the Sabbath. Number one, stop work. You have to be intentional here. Do not pick up your work phone. Do not answer work texts. It might be a good idea to just avoid the phone altogether. Some of you are having a panic attack right now. Right now you're having a panic attack. This is a sign, this is for you. (laughs) Don't check email, don't go on the computer where you do work. Stop, tell work to stop. Work as hard as you can six days, amen. I'm all for hard work. But on that seventh day, you tell work, you're not in charge of me, you're not my creator and you're not my sustainer and you're not my power. Um, I have a day like this, it's Friday. I don't answer texts from anybody on staff. I don't respond. I don't go to visit people. If you're in the hospital, I'm not coming to see you on Friday. Sorry. I mean, unless it's, you know. Well, let's just say, if I come and see you on Friday, the doctor did not tell you everything. Just telling you. If I show up, you should be like, oh my god. (laughs) <laughs> I, I stop work. Second, enjoy rest. Some of you got to learn how to do this because it's it's, you have to learn how to enjoy rest. When you're a kid, you enjoy being at rest. But so, for some reason, you lose that in the, in the rat race of getting the, great, the good life. And you stop and you forget how to enjoy doing nothing. You, you got to relearn this. And I'm telling you, the older you get, the more your Sabbath will be precious to you. There was a, a, a Jewish rabbi who would instruct his children about how sweet rest was by, waking, by doing this with his children. When they woke up, the first thing he would do is give them a spoonful of honey on the Sabbath, a spoonful of honey, so that they would taste the sweetness of rest with God first thing in the morning. This should be a sweet thing for you. You should look forward to it. The longer I've been doing this job, the more I look forward to my Fridays. I used to to hate Fridays because I want to get busy. I like doing what I do. I love my job. I want to do, 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 do. And now I look forward to rest, 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 rest. Hallelujah. Enjoy it. Number three, delight yourself in something non-work related. So some of you, and this is going to sound funny hearing a preacher say this, some of you need to get golf clubs some of you need to get a tennis racket or running shoes a hobby a kite and go out to a park and fly it let's go fly a kite up to the highest height anyway on my Friday I do Two things, I play music, cause I got like this music hobby that I love, I have synthesizers and electronic music and I just play around, I just play. La, 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 la. Turn it really loud, I bug Cheryl, it's wonderful. Really loud, electronic music. And the other thing that I do, I used to run and then I, I, um, <clears throat> I figured out that I can't run because the impact hurt my knees and my feet too much. So I discovered rollerblades about five years ago. Yeah, yeah it took me 15 years to catch up with the rest of the culture. <laughs> Every time I say that to somebody, they tell me, rollerblades are still a thing? Yes! And so I rollerblade, and I go on this beautiful uh, path, this paved path behind my house, and I go five miles out. And the reason why I go five miles out is because five miles out, there's a Dunkin' Donuts. And if, I, if that Dunkin' Donuts wasn't five miles out, I wouldn't be getting as much exercise when I do that, you know? I'd be, like, dogging it. I'd be, like, three miles is good. I'm coming back, you know? But it's just two more miles to Dunkin' Donuts. So I go, and I get to Dunkin' Donuts, and I, I buy my Dunkin' Donuts coffee, and I sit there with my rollerblades, and I just, I look at the coffee. You ever just look at coffee? This is something you should do on your Sabbath. Just look at it. Thank you, God, for the coffee bean. It's a gift, right? And I just sip the coffee with my rollerblades. And then I get out and I go five miles back and I feel the wind in my face. And I see the scenery and I come back and I'm rested. Nothing to do with anything that makes me successful. My body is getting refreshed. And you want me to do this. You want me to do this because it makes me better for you better for this job. In the Sabbath, God says, I'm, um, I am empowering you. I'm empowering you. Number two in your notes. In the Sabbath, God says, I am the God who sets you apart for sacred purposes. Uh, another way of saying this is, in the Sabbath, God says, I make you who you are. In the Sabbath, God says, I make you who you are. That means that your job does not make you who you are. And this is going to be life-giving to many of you because you are under the impression that your job or your success in it is what validates you as a human. And it's not true. That's not the gospel. I'm all for success. I'm all for prosperity. I'm all for you doing well. But what if you lose it? Do you lose yourself? Do you fall to pieces? Do you suffer identity identity, uh, questioning? If I am not successful, who am I? Your job does not make you who you are. Now, it says in the text, in verse 13 of Exodus 31, there on your notes underneath that point, you are to speak to the people of Israel, God says to Moses, And he says, above all, you shall keep my Sabbath. Above all. Above all. This is so important. It is not secondary. It is not optional. Above all, you shall keep my Sabbath, for it is a sign. A sign, yes. It's pointing to something. What? It's a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. Sanctify is a way of saying, God saying, I'm the one who makes you holy. I'm the one who makes you what I want you to be. I am, God says, not your job. Now, we fall into the job identity crisis, and we know it because as Americans, this is what we do. When we meet somebody new, what's the first two questions? What's your name? And what do you do? It's like identity. And as soon as they say what they do, we make a calculation as to how important they are. And And then we start to think about, well, what am I in relation to what they are? and obviously this person now has more value because they went to that school this school or that and they have initials after their name that they earned and so they must be really important and i guess i'm not that important or you're the other, you're the other person in that equation and you're like i am dr so and so and i am the chief clinical physician of this and that hospital And we are making these calculations about value and validation on what someone performs. Identity and significance and all these things, they come from that. And it shouldn't be. Write this down in your notes. Please write it down. Beware the idol of achievement, because it's out there. It's huge, especially in the church world. My business, my world, when I meet up with other pastors, oh, the achievement idol. How big is your church? How many people think you're important? Small church, small importance, big church, big dude, big importance, value, validation. What are we looking for? We are looking for something that we need, validation. But we cannot put that need in the hands of our jobs. We have to put that need in the hands of the one who made us. And so when we take the rest day from work, we tell ourselves, I am not the sum total of my accomplishments. I am not defined by what I can achieve or accumulate. Who am I? I am the beloved son or daughter of a living God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's who I really am. Do you realize how freeing this is? That means that now I don't have to go to the job to make sure I make the grade or make the pay so that I feel like I'm important. No, at the cross 2,000 years ago, Jesus signed the deed of my importance with his own precious blood, and now I know I'm of infinite importance to an almighty God who loves me. Now I don't need people to approve of me. Now I don't need people to think I'm all that. Now I don't need my job to be everything for me because God has made me who I am. And so I take one day every seven days. I take one day and I say, enough work. I'm going to get back together with my father, my church family. If you can make the Sabbath Sunday, wonderful. I, th- I encourage that. But if you can't, you take another day where you, where you uh, delight yourself in something non-work-related. Oh, and number four, and I never gave you this. Back up in the notes. Number four, contemplate God. I never gave you, sorry. Contemplate God. And if you can make the Sabbath Sunday, then so be it, do it. And remind yourself that you are who you are because of his grace and not your work. The spiritual why of Sabbath is to root our identity in what God has done and not what we can do. You see see there in, in the text, on your notes, Genesis 2-2, and on the seventh day God finished His work. On the seventh day God finished His work. What did He just get done doing? He made a perfect harmonious world, and He made mankind, and then He said, I'm done. Man and God dwelling together in perfect harmony forever. That was the plan, finished. And mankind was supposed to forever be identified with, made in the image. Made in the image of God. Valued because I'm made in his image. Filled with his breath. But sin comes in. Doesn't it? Doesn't take too long. Chapter 3. Serpent shows up. Deceives Eve. Eve hands it off to Adam. They both eat. They both immediately feel shame and guilt and fear. Shame and guilt and fear. And they hear God's voice and they run and they hide. But when they're hiding in those bushes, they aren't doing nothing. What are they doing they are sewing together fig leaves and they're getting like all this foliage around them and they're like something's wrong and they're busy 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 and god comes and says what are you doing why did you suddenly turn into fashionistas why are you so busy because they're trying to cover up And this is what busyness is. Busyness is trying to cover up that inadequacy we feel because we know we don't add up spiritually. And so what happens is God says, I'm going to take care of this. Thousands of years later, he sends Jesus, his only begotten son, as a perfect substitutionary atoning sacrifice. And on that cross, Jesus hangs naked and he bears our shame and our guilt and he bears our punishment on the cross and on the cross he uses the same word that God used in the beginning when he finished his work, didn't he? It says in John chapter 19 verse 30, and when Jesus had received the wine, he said it is finished The work necessary to bring God and man together into harmony with each other, it is finished once and for all. And when you receive the work of Jesus, that harmony comes into your spirit and you can live at peace with your creator and flourish in his creation. So I say to work one day out of seven, you don't define me. My father defines me, the blood of Jesus defines me, the resurrection defines me, and I'm new. You know, uh, USC researchers, they actually found out too. This is interesting. USC, University of Southern California researchers argue that when we are resting, the brain is anything but idle. In fact, downtime enhances mental processes that affirm our identities. We understand who we are when we stop working. Again, science is catching up to God. And so we stop working to remind ourselves who we are. And interestingly, something cool happens, too, between the Old and New Covenants. In the Old Covenant, it was six days' work to get to rest. But in the New Covenant, the church starts meeting. Their rest day becomes the first day of the week, and then they go to work. Why? Because here's what you need to understand. Jesus is the true Sabbath. And the old covenant was pointing to him, and the new covenant, we live from him. And so what you have to understand is, in the old covenant, they had to work to get to him. In the new covenant, we get him, and now we get to work with him. And the rest that I have, the the harmony, the peace, the wholeness that I have with God, is finished forever at the cross. And I don't have to work for it. I didn't earn it in the first place. I didn't do enough for him to agree to accomplish it. He did it without me asking for it. And he did it because it pleased him to be generous toward me. And now who I am is rooted in his finished work for me at the cross. And I work from his approval, not for it. Don't you understand? You're either going to work for, you're either going to live in the approval of God or you're going to work for the approval of everybody else. Because you need it. You're made to have it. And you only truly find it in him. Number three, and finally on the Sabbath, God says, I am the God who calls you to myself. I'm the God who calls you to myself. God wants you. Some of you don't believe this, but it's true. My Bible tells me he wills that none should perish. He don't want anybody going to hell. He doesn't want anybody disconnected from him. He loves all that he has made, and he loves you. And he, in the Sabbath, it's God saying, Come, come be with me. Come be with me. Look at how, look at how Moses says it in Leviticus chapter 23:3, uh, another passage about the Sabbath. Um, Six days shall work be done, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, a holy convocation. A holy convocation. What does that word mean? Well, I looked up the Hebrew word, mikrah, mikrah. And it can mean assembly, meeting, or calling. But I also found out that it can also be translated rehearsal. Check this out. The Sabbath is a holy rehearsal. A holy rehearsal for what, pastor? For heaven. This is why some of you got to get it into your routine right now, because when you get to heaven, you're going to be totally out of practice. <laughs> you see, in the, in the creation, and this is why it keeps going back to creation. Every time he talks about the Sabbath, it goes back to creation. In the creation, God created all that he created in six days, and he rested on the seventh. And what we see is a pattern in creation in the first chapter of the Bible. Every time God created something, it says, and there was evening... And there was morning the first day. And then he created again. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. And then he creates some more. And there was evening and, the, and morning the third day. And the fourth day, evening, morning, fourth day, evening, morning, fifth day, evening, morning, sixth day. And you get to the seventh day and God finishes and there's something missing. There's no evening. It never says, and there was evening and morning the seventh day, it stops. That's what we were supposed to have. Eternal eternal sunshine in the Father's presence. And the Bible, you know, teaches us the whole story of redemption, sin, redemption. Jesus comes, fixes everything, puts it all back together, gives us the first fruits of, of eternal life in the Spirit and all this stuff. And then we get to the end of the Bible. And it says this. Revelation 21, 22, this is how it all ends. And I saw no temple in the city, for his temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. In verse 25 he says, and there will be no night there. That's heaven. No night. You you know why we have night in this life? God's trying to teach us about something. There is a night, but the morning is coming. There is suffering, but there's joy on the way. There is trial, but there's going to be a testimony in the trial. You have to trust God through the dark seasons of your life because the sun is always going to come up the next morning because God is faithful. But there's coming a day when Jesus will return. And set all the wrongs back to right again. And perfect harmony with God will not just be a spiritual reality. It will be a true reality. A physical reality. Where we will dwell with God in eternal sunshine forever. No more nights. No more fear. No more pain. No more tears. No more suffering. The ultimate why of the Sabbath. In your notes, the ultimate why of the Sabbath is because you need to rehearse for heaven. Heaven is the home God wants you to come to. And every seventh day, you got to set this up in your life so that you can say no to work. I got to remind myself of where I'm going. I got to remind myself that who I am is really because of what God has done. And I got to get the power of God in my life. I want to close this service with one of the most beautiful passages. And the message translation of the Bible is Jesus speaking to us about him being the true pathway to Sabbath. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. It's there on your nose. It's so beautiful. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me. And you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn how to live freely and lightly.